What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, and then uh, respond to them after I pray with them, hopefully from the heart of the church and through relationship with Christ. The goal of the show is for you to shoot me questions about morality, about prayer, about relationship advice, church teachings, evangelization, catechesis, whatever, right? You ask me questions, I sit with them and I respond to them, hopefully in a way that helps you to navigate your walk toward eternity. The reality is this, is our lives, your life, my life, our lives are just messy. And sometimes it's not always going to be that easy to go to fill in the blank Catholic answer to our problems. And so the, the goal is for us to accompany, to just walk with each other toward Jesus together so that Jesus can tell us how he wants us to, to fulfill the will of the Father in our, in our lives. I can't promise you that my advice will always be helpful because I'm a broken, imperfect human being. And so if my advice is good for you, then then chew on it. If it's not good, then I give you the freedom to please just straight up reject it. If you're a first time listener, here's how the show goes. You uh, shoot me your question at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. And then if you're not a first time listener, just shoot me your feedback from today's episode, from past episodes, future questions, comments, concerns, critiques, advice, so that we can continue to walk toward heaven to together also please rate us and review us on itunes which helps other people find out about the gift of the show if it's helpful for you it might be helpful for them as as well on today's show we are going to discuss a number of uh, different topics but they're going to all have a little thread that's similar they're all going to be essentially about relationships 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 we're going to talk about marital struggles we're going to talk about marital obligations and duties. We're going to talk about fears of getting married uh, because of wounds from the past. And then we're also going to talk about how to navigate those difficult relationships in the workplace atmosphere, particularly whenever we find that our environment is somewhat hostile to our our Catholic faith. Uh, so that's going to be our topics for today's show. But before we get into all those relationships, let's uh, let's jump into a glory story. So today's glory story, it comes from my past week. This past week, I went on vacation, y'all, and it was, it was so, man, it was so good. I'm so grateful, so grateful for good friends and for fun. It was, um, it was just fun. We went whitewater rafting, and it was awesome. We almost died a bunch of times, uh, but it was, it was still a lot of fun. Uh, and and uh, for me, it was just a gift because I was able to experience a different side of my friends. Like sometimes, you, you know your friends, like, but... When you go on vacation with people, you really get to know them. And so one of my buddies, we've been cool for like five years now, but we've never vacationed together. And so when we were on vacation, I got to see a whole different side of him. And I laughed with him. I laughed near him. And sometimes I was just straight up laughing at him. Uh, one of the days when we went right rafting, the water was awesome. And one day it was pretty lame. And the day it was lame, the, the, the instructor dude, he wasn't like the best and he wasn't doing the best job. God bless him. We pray for him. Um, but at one point, like, he ended up hitting this girl who was on our raft, who then I think she must have hit my buddy. And when she hit my buddy, like, her head bust open, and she was bleeding over her eye. And my buddy just, like, flipped out. And he was like, whoa, whoa, you're bleeding, girl. You are bleeding. You are bleeding from the head. And the instructor I was saying, wait, what happened? And the girl's like, wait, what? And he said, yeah, girl, you bleeding bad. And the instructor said, oh, it's not that bad. It, y'all, it was bad. And so 
The instructor was like, oh, no, no, we're going to take care of her. Don't worry about it. My brother's like, no, I'm telling you, that girl, is. she's going to need stitches. She's busted open right now. And so the the tour guide, I slowed us down a little bit, or the instruction guy, whatever you call him. And another person from the other raft came. She had the, the kit for, like, you know, the first aid stuff. And she said, okay, what happened? And I never saw this out of my buddy. He straight up snitched on the dude. He, before the dude could say anything, he said, he hit her, ma'am. He pushed her and hit her and busted her head open. And I just busted out laughing because I was thinking, man, like you didn't even give that dude a chance to say what happened. You just straight up snitched on him. So the rest of the trip, uh, I was making fun of my buddy. And then that night we went out to dinner. And at dinner, uh, we got mussels. Mussels. Like, who eats mussels? That was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. And so we ordered some mussels for an appetizer. And... I mean, the second I tasted it, my face gave it away. It was just nasty. And so I told my buddies, yeah, that was kind of nasty. Well, the waitress comes and she says, well, what did y'all think about the food? My buddy said, he didn't like it, ma'am. He did not like your food. (laughs) Y'all, I have not laughed so much in my life. So long story short, it was a fun, fun, fun life-giving vacation. We cut up. We had fun. And I think it's good for us as disciples of Christ, to recognize that we're called to have fun. St. Philip Neri, he says, run, jump, have all the fun you want at the right time, but for heaven's sake, do not commit sin. So the saints even invite us. Like, we're not called to, to be disciples who are gloomy and doomy and, and everything's all sad all the time. Like, that's not attractive at all. Like, God delights in us delighting in his creation and, and having fun. And so if you haven't had fun this week, if you haven't um, hung out with friends and done something that was just life-giving for you, then I really want to encourage you to try to prioritize some time in the next couple of weeks to just go do something that is fun because that's what, uh, we don't have to be all serious all the time. I mean, there's time and place for everything, but we're called to be joyful witnesses to uh, the gospel, joyful witnesses to what a relationship with Christ is like. And and Christ is fun and he wants us to enjoy his creation. So that's my glory story. I just got to enjoy God's creation for the past week. All right, let's jump in today's show. First, before we get into the the questions for today's show, I'm going to give you some feedback from a previous episode in which we addressed the vice of anger, particularly anger whenever it's related to children from parents. Getty writes this. She says, great feedback on parenting without cursing. I certainly improved these last couple of days, praise God, but also I've been telling them how closer I'm getting to God as they challenge my expectations. I think that my teens are worried that I'm talking to God about all these things. I think that I'm in cahoots with the big man. At any rate, they do not want me to leave a bad impression on God about them. (laughs) That's good. And so they're cleaning up their act a lot faster. They would say, mom, do you want a soda? Okay, first of all, Getty, you must not be from the South. You must be from up North. Soda. Who says soda? Not me. Not, in the South, we call it, do you want, what do we call it? Soda. No, wait, do we call it a soda? I know we don't call it pop. Yeah, we just straight up say like Coke or something like that. Coke, man, anyways. So, Getty, wherever you're from, she says that they will say, Mom, do you want a soda? Soda, Minnesota. I say, no, baby, thank you, but I'm fasting for you. Love you, kiddo. Never thought it would have this effect. My daughter actually tried a cold shower as a fast for something she said, having an easier time on something she's doing. The thing is contagious. My prayers have been heard. Praise God, Gideon. I'm so happy that your prayers have been heard and that God is showing you that uh, he is faithful, that he is faithful and he's coming through in powerful ways for your family. So now on to the questions for today's show. First question. First question comes from 
Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. I want to say this. Um, whenever you write me your emails for, at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com and you put your name, let me know if you want me to say your name or not. Because some of these questions are kind of sensitive and I want to be prudent and I don't want to put your name out there if your spouse ends up hearing this or somebody like that. So for some of these questions for today's show, I'm just going to omit your name. You're going to hear your question. And then in the future, just let me know when you send me the emails. Do say my name or don't say my name. So this question comes from, we're going to call you anonymous. Is uh, She wrote this. I have a follow-up question about the friendship question you discussed in your podcast tonight. You said that we should let go of those friendships if they're not drawing us closer to God and potentially leading us away from God. What do you do when that friend is your spouse? I took a vow in front of God in church at our wedding to never leave, for better or for worse, sickness and health, to love you and honor you all the days of my life. I can't just walk away or limit my time with him. What am I to do? That is a great question. Mrs. Anonymous. And it's a common question uh, that a lot of married couples come to me with as a priest. Uh, one, one spouse begins to recognize that their other spouse either has never been rooted in the Lord or they've kind of fallen away. And what do I do in this season of my marriage? I never expected my marriage to be like this. Or one spouse has a conversion, the other spouse doesn't, right? So all these things happen. So I'm going to dissect your question from a few points. The first one is this, is you said that, what do you to do when that friend is your spouse. So I've been reading a book on friendship. Uh, I think it's called The Feast of Friendship, or I actually have two different ones. But long story short, in this book, this Orthodox, either he's a priest or Orthodox, just lay person, he writes about friendship. And he says that um, every friendship, in order for it to be like textbook, authentic friendship, it has to have a distance between the two persons. And so he, he proposes that once a couple gets married, their friendship that used to exist ceased to exist as a friendship now, and now it's something different. Because in marriage, there is no distance between the two people, right? So, like, for instance, if you think about your friends, like your girlfriends, you might be like, yo, like, I've had some friends in the past where they became very needy and possessive, and they had this image of what our friendship should be, and they would try to um, put that projected image onto me, and, it, and I'm a free autonomous person, yet when this friend gets mad at me because I won't do what she wants me to do, like it makes me feel like she's trying to like wholly possess me, and I resist that, right? Rightfully so, because there should be a distance, a healthy distance between two people because we're all free and autonomous, so we should never try to push or grasp or possess other people. Um, St. Basil says that friends, in a sense, are, are like one soul, two bodies. There's a distance between two bodies. The soul is united, but the bodies are not together. Whenever one gets married, we become like two souls in one body. The two become one flesh. And so there is no more distance between the two in the same way. There's clearly distance in other areas, but there's a difference now. Now you do um, possess each other, not in the grasping sense, but you possess each other in the sense that you are now one. And so I think that I just want to... Uh, Encourage you to 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 have healthy friendships outside of your marriage with your girlfriends, right? If you're dude with your with your dude friends, but at the same time, like to to reverence that you're in a new season with your spouse now, and so um, that's the first thing. Second thing is this: is okay. So your spouse is not drawing you to God. Well, I want to say maybe he is. Maybe he's drawing you to God for other reasons. Are you praying more for him? Are you fasting for him? Are you falling on your, on your knees? before the Blessed Sacrament for your spouse now because of his um, lack of conversion of heart right now. So in a sense, he is drawing you to God. Like the purpose of marriage is you help him get to heaven. 
whether that's by dragging him or walking with him. You're going to help him by your prayers and your fasting. Is it going to be difficult? Sure. But the Lord is calling you to, to reverence his brokenness, to reverence his imperfections, to reverence his wrinkles, and to intercede for him. Because you are aware of his wrinkles, his imperfections, and so you are being invited by the Lord to pray and to fast for his conversion. This is not isolated to you at all. There are so many couples who, go, who are going through this right now as, as I'm speaking. And there are so many couples who went through this for the past 2,000 years in the church's history. One couple is Blessed Elizabeth Lassier and her husband. They got married. She had a conversion. He didn't. And she's on fire for Jesus in the church. He's an atheist. He mocks her for her faith daily. He ridicules her faith. And she chooses, instead of exposing him to shame by talking about him, she chooses to pray and to fast for him and to write about these prayers and fastings in her journal. He eventually read her journal after she passed away. So she ended up dying without seeing him convert. He sees her journal. His heart's kind of touched. He goes to this place called Lourdes where a lady had been appearing. And when he goes to Lourdes to discount everything, he ends up having this radical conversion, falling in love with Jesus, and becoming a Catholic priest. So her prayers for her husband were answered, uh, and, and she's now blessed, and I'm sure he's on his way to canonization as well. So the goal is to get your husband to heaven by praying for him, fasting for him, and being a joyful witness to the gospel. Um, so, yeah. So what do you do? You don't leave because this is more than a friendship now. You are you are in a covenant relationship, which is, again, different from friendship. So your goal is to get into heaven, and the, the place that you're going to persevere in is in prayer. If you pray well, then you'll be able to have the, the opportunity to love him well and to desire that which is his greatest good. So, Hopefully that was helpful to you. Let me know. Uh, hit me up at askfatherjosh at essentialpress.com and give me a feedback. If you have any other suggestions for, I'm going to call her Mrs. Anonymous, let me know. All right. Second question. Also about relationships. Once again, this one comes from a guy named Michael. My name is Michael. And I have a question on how to live out faith in the workplace. I work for an organization that has no religious ties whatsoever, and I work with a lot of people who are fallen away Catholics and went to Catholic school, but don't believe and go against Catholic teaching and talk openly about it. First, I just want to give them like, whoa, leeway, because man, we can't lie. A lot of Catholic school education in the past however many years hasn't been the best. So whenever I meet people who left the Catholic church, like when I did college ministry, they're like, oh yeah, I don't believe it, whatever. I'm like, man. Your education was probably pretty whack anyway. And so we try to give them the truth um, and present it to them in a way that they can chew on it because God bless them. So many people got really bad Catholic education, unfortunately. So Michael writes, how do I go about defending the faith and help bring them back to the faith in these situations in a very secular environment without seeming like I'm judging? And how do I bring it up in a tactful yet unapologetic way? I try to be a good outward example, but I still feel called to be more courageous, but I don't know how to go about it. All right, that, that's a great question, Michael. Michael from Kansas. Kansas, that's where Dorothy's from in The Wizard of Oz, Kansas. All right, so, Michael, great, great question. I mean, this is your call. Like, as a layperson, the Lord is inviting you to go outside the walls of the church to bring the joy of the gospel, to bring your relationship with Christ, to bring those sacramental graces into environments where otherwise Christ might not be invited to go. So praise God that you want to bring Jesus, bring the gift of his bride, the Catholic Church, into the workplace environment in a place where it's hostile. That's actually where Bishop Fulton Sheen says the lay vocation is supposed to go. 
out there in the world where it's dangerous. He says to lay people, remember that Christ was not crucified between two golden candlesticks. He was crucified between two thieves in a messy world, in a junk, in a junk place. So that's what we're called to go into the messiness of the world, the messiness of our environment, where it's not going to be safe to bring Jesus there, to bring the light of Christ, to invite people to the sacraments. How do we do this, though? I always suggest that we do this based on relationships, intentional relationships, enter into relationships with your people, learn how they best receive, and then share the gospel with them. I'm a priest now. I've been ordained for a number of years, and every single assignment I've had has been very different from the one before. it. Every single assignment has been totally different. And each assignment, once I was at college, once I was in a city, now I'm in a town, every single assignment is completely different. The people are different. And I can't communicate the same gospel to them in the same way. I communicate the same gospel, but in a different way, depending on my audience, in a way they can chew on it, in a way they can receive it. And the only way I know how to feed them is if I first listen to them and learn from them how they best receive. So I really want to encourage you to learn from your people at work how they can best receive. And the way you do that is by being their friend, by being in communion with them, in community with them. And after you listen to them, and they see that you're a good friend who listens, and you model that listening, then begin to share in normal ways your weekend, what you did over the weekend with them. Yeah, I went to a baseball game, basketball game, went to Mass, and had dinner with my family. Oh, we went to Mass. Oh, are you Catholic? Oh, yeah, man, I'm Catholic. Yeah, you know, actually, that's the church Jesus Christ founded. Did you know that? That's the church Jesus founded? Right? And find ways to naturally, in normative conversations, bring up the facts about our faith, about Jesus Christ and the church he founded. Same thing for like on a Tuesday. They say, what'd you do yesterday? Monday night. Oh man, I watched Monday Night Wrestling. Did you see whenever The Rock came out and Rock Bottom so-and-so and the Stone Cold Steve Austin came out and stunned him? Oh man. And then after that, The Rock said, uh, Stone Cold, oh, what's your last name? And Stone Cold started saying Austin. And he said, it doesn't matter what your last name is, Jabroni. That's not, that's not, that would have been the 1990s. Anyways, but then you could say, then after I watched wrestling, I, I went for a walk and prayed the rosary. And they'd be like, what, you pray the rosary? Why do you pray that prayer? Isn't that a vain, repetitious prayer? And then you could teach them why it's not a vain, repetitious prayer and how it actually helps you to focus on the life of Jesus and act more like Jesus. So enter into real relationships with your coworkers, become their friend, learn how they best receive, and then share the gift that you have been given in your, in your faith. So... That's my advice to you, Michael. What do y'all think? Do y'all have any additional advice for Michael? Write me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and let me know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our final two questions. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send me your questions at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you're feeling fancy, record a voice note and send that to me as well. We can play it on a future show. Also, please don't forget to rate us and review us on iTunes to help other people find out about the gift of the show. All right. Our next question comes uh, from Maddie, and it's about marriage. This one is about marital obligations. Maddie writes this. Is it every married couple's duty to attempt to bear children every time they have sex? Uh, so that is a, a great question. Maddie, uh, short answer, no. 
But long answer, let's go into that. So sexual intercourse within sacrament of marriage, it has two purposes, Maddie, right? An openness to life, right? Babies, but also bonding, right? To bring the couple together. Like Mariah Carey says in her song, we belong together. <laughs> oh, man. Y'all, that's such a good song. But I just totally butchered it. We belong together. Now, I'm not even going to try it anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, MC. MC, Mariah Carey. I used to have the biggest crush on Mariah Carey when I was a kid, y'all. No lie. That's another story for another day. I'll tell that maybe in the next episode if you want to know. But, yeah, no, so Mariah Carey, she says it. We also want to bond as a couple. Every time a married couple has uh, marital intercourse, they renew their vows, right? It is a myth. It's a myth that the church teaches that sex is only for babies or that the only justifiable reason to have sex is when you want to have a baby or can't have a baby. Uh, That's like saying old people can't conceive children anymore, shouldn't have sex. No, sex is also for bonding. Procreation is the primary end of sexual union, but it's not the only end are the only good end for sexual union. Notice what I said, it's the, it is the primary, but it's not the only end. In fact, St. John Paul the Great, he teaches that if the only reason that you're having sex with your spouse is because you want a baby, then you may be in danger of using your spouse as a means to an end rather than loving your spouse as a person. Remember, we're called to use things and love people, not use people and love things. We can even use our spouse sometimes, and we want to avoid that, right? Because they are a gift and gifts are not meant to be used and abused. Uh, so we're never, ever meant to be a means to an, an end in that sense. Uh, I guess the only way in which we're a means to an end is if it were the means to the end of heaven, right? But that's like, I'm being too scrupulous with the way I'm speaking right now. So, okay, so check this out. So then what do you do then? Um, if you, are there any just reasons to avoid a pregnancy sometimes? Yeah, there are many sometimes just reasons to avoid a pregnancy. And what's the way to do that and still be open to life uh, is through practicing natural family planning or, or just through simply avoiding those times in the month whenever you're more fertile, right? There's only a few days out of the month where you're super fertile. And so the rest of the month, you're most likely not going to conceive, but you're still open. If God wants to give life, God would do that. And so we're not trying to kick God out of the equation here. Uh, so Hopefully that was uh, helpful to you, Maddie. And yeah, that's my advice for that. So let me know if you have any additional advice for Maddie or any clarification questions for me. Ask Father Josh at suppress.com. All right, on to our final question. This one is about dating. So this person, again, whose name I'm going to withhold from using Again, in the future, when you write me your questions, let me know if you want me to use your name or not. But she writes that my freshman year of college, I made some decisions that were not good for me whatsoever. I partied a lot, was getting drunk often, slept around, and allowed myself to be used by men. I put so much of my worth into what a man thought of me if I was hot or had an attractive sex appeal. Needless to say, that left me extremely wounded. I began to come back to my Catholic roots and restore my relationship with Christ in the past two years, and I've grown so much. Praise God. I have been dating my current boyfriend for over a year now, and we strive to live and grow in our faith, both individually and through our relationship together. We have both had sex in the past with other people, but we strive to live chastely together and save sex for marriage. However, I have recently been noticing how my view of sex is very twisted and wounded. Even though I've healed so much of those wounds from the past, I find myself viewing sex as dirty 
and forceful, and always at least one person is using the other. I'm afraid I will never be able to enjoy sexual relations as God intended. When I think about having sex with my future husband, I can't help but feel a sense of use in him lusting after me. Even when my boyfriend assures me he does not lust after me, I find myself being skeptical. I know I need to continue praying about this wound, but I was wondering if you had any advice and or resources that might be helpful for me with this. What a beautiful question. What a beautiful heart you have. First of all, I just want you to know, I just praise God that you are experiencing the gift of of that relationship with Jesus right now. And that is so good. It is so good to hear that you and your boyfriend are striving for uh, for heaven, really, right? You're striving for intimacy as as is the will of God. So God bless you, first and foremost, and, and, and know that I'm going to be praying specifically for y'all's relationship, that y'all be saints, whether that means saints together or saints however God desires y'all to grow in holiness. few things. First, I want to encourage you to to look into counseling. Uh, you have been wounded, and your wounds are very real. And I don't think that um, this is something that should be neglected whenever we experience any kind of um, sexual wounds. So I really want to encourage you to potentially reach out to a good Catholic counselor. There's great resources out there. CatholicTherapist.com can help you find a Catholic counselor. And, and just walk with somebody and accompany somebody long term. Also, for in the meantime, if you want to get a book, a good book uh, about sex, about marriage is from uh, Christopher West. It's called The Good News About Sex and Marriage. Great book, really great resource. As far as your prayer, praying with this, I would really encourage you to be so, so vulnerable with Jesus and expose your wound to him, but treat him as he is a divine physician. Like whenever I go to a doctor, I'm wounded and the doctor heals me right? Eventually. So I go to the doctor, I tell the doctor where I'm hurting, and then I let him do the work. But I don't ever watch the doctor as he's doing surgery on me, right? The doctor puts me asleep, the doctor does his thing. I just show up. I expose my wounds to the doctor and the doctor does the rest. I think that it'll be healthy to approach Jesus that way. Sometimes when we are experiencing our wounds, we can over-focus on them a little bit too much and we dwell on them too much and we we want Jesus to uh, to I, we expect Jesus to show us what He's doing, how He's healing our wounds. He is the divine physician. He is the healer, and He does heal over time. And sometimes though we try to manipulate the situation, and we have to see what what how's He healing His wound right now. And that might not necessarily be the case. That's necessary for our sanctification. Have there been times in my life where God has shown me uh, Him healing my wounds? Yeah, a few times, but. He heals me every day, and every day he's not showing me what he's doing. I show up to prayer every day. I give him my stuff, and then I focus on him. I let him focus on me. I expose myself to him the way he exposed himself to me in the Eucharist and the Scriptures, and then he does his work on me. I just let him. So I really want to encourage you whenever you're praying to not let the focus of your prayer become your wounds because you might take your eyes off of Christ and focus them on yourself, and no peace comes from focusing on our wounds ourselves. The peace comes from looking at Christ, letting Christ look at us. And if he wants us to see what he's doing, he will show you. If not, in most cases, he doesn't show us what he's doing. Uh, we just trust. Okay, God, I'm going to show up to prayer and you're going to do your thing. So I really want to encourage you to let God do his thing by you just being faithful to showing up and letting his grace heal you and renew you and redeem you over time. Next point, our wounds oftentimes become our greatest gift to the church. When I look at my wounds in my life, uh, and I'm very broken, I'm very wounded like all of us. God in my ministry has used my wounds 
He's used my wounds and redeemed them, and they become like wellsprings of mercy for other people. So trust that God can redeem anything and everything. There's nothing that God, like he turns all of our mess into his message. Our mess becomes his message of mercy. And so just really entrust that to him. And over time, you're going to begin to see the fruitfulness of, of giving Christ everything, right? Not holding anything back, but letting him redeem everything on his will, his way, and his time. And then finally, with regards to the, the reality of like your fear of like the brokenness, first of all, fear is not of the Lord at all. Uh, fear is false evidence appearing real. But with regard to your boyfriend and like the, the, the worries about, am I going to use him? Is he going to use me? If we get married, am I going to lust after him? Is he going to lust after me? He might, and you might. And then what? Right? We're all broken, again, but we're being redeemed over time. And so if he lusts after you after marriage, like first of all, trust in the sacrament of grace that neither one of you have right now with marriage. There's sacramental grace, which is amazing. Oh, it's awesome. It's the best. It's the best I ever had. It's the best I ever had. <laughs> sacramental grace is so, so real. And you don't have that right now. So that's going to come with marriage. But if he still lusts after you, then you walk with him toward the sacrament so you get more grace so you can be renewed over over time i i really caution people from allowing their brokenness to stop them from entering into a vocation i've I've walked with people in the past where they've made comments like well i can't i can't go to seminary until i'm fully healed or i can't get married until all my vices are eradicated if that's the case you're never going to do anything because we are i don't know any priest that's still not being purified i'm sure there's some out there maybe but I don't know any priest or religious or married couple who is still not being purified every single day. There's always more room to grow. There's always more room to be uh, sanctified. Uh, so don't allow potential brokenness, vices, stop you. Right? We come to marriage with our baggage. We come to sacraments with our baggage. And God turns our baggage into his bags of grace. So... Because he's all about that grace, about that grace. No devil. So I hope that was helpful for you. And again, encouragement, uh, reach out to a counselor. And, um, and when you go to prayer, uh, show Jesus your stuff, but don't focus on it yourself. Let him do his thing. All right. So that brings us to the end of today's show. So regardless of what your circumstances are, here are some things I think everyone can take away from today's questions. Uh, the first universal point is that, um, yeah, in, in marriage, there typically is going to be one spouse who's stronger than the other, and that's why we need each other. You carry me when I'm, when I'm weak, and I'll carry you when I'm strong. So if your spouse is weak right now, then you pray and you fast and hope, and don't hold on to expectations. Trust that God will do his thing and his will, his way, his time. When it comes to relationships at work, remember, we have to be intentional with learning how to communicate to the bride communicate to the other person. And once we know how they best receive, then share the joy of our relationship with Christ and his church he founded 2,000 years ago with those particular people. With regards to um, marital obligations, remember that um, we don't ever want to use our spouse, ever. Right? Our spouse is never a means uh, to an end. We love people. We use things. We don't love things and use people. And so be open to the gift of life. Be open to the gift that God has in store for us. Um, but try to, uh, try to stop ourselves. Uh, and that might take, you know, obviously, sacramental grace and healing over time from using other people. And then finally, with regards to our wounds, we're all wounded. We're all broken. God calls us to come to him who is the wounded healer. And over time, he will heal over time. 
and there's always more healing in store. So once you think we've made it, there's always going to be more. So don't get focused on the wound. Get focused on the wounded healer, and he will do his thing. So let's let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Jesus, we trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, that wraps up today's show. If you have any further comments, critiques, questions, hit me up at AskFatherJoshAtAscensionPress.com. Don't forget to rate us and review us on all the different platforms so this podcast is available so that other people can find out about the potential gift of the show for them and their walk toward eternity. I cannot wait to be with you again next week. God bless.